0: I think in our current sermon series, a few of you are actually listening, which for a preacher is a very good problem to have. Um, I've I've received more text messages and more pictures via email of something like this than I have ever before in my life. Uh, Maybe it's because of all the comments that I've been making about cats not being in heaven. See, we're in a series about heaven. It's a series called Afterlife. And we're talking about this special place that Jesus is personally preparing for those who love him, a place that we will go to when we leave this life. And the Bible says when we fix our eyes on that place, when we set our minds and our hearts on that place, this life will be changed by what's going to happen in that life. That's been our hope. And I've been talking a lot about cats, and I've got a very tangential story for those of you who do love cats. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I think you'll get a kick out of it. True story. Uh, don't you love when a preacher starts a story off like that? True true story, I swear. Uh, a pastor several years ago uh, got a new kitty new kitten and uh, it actually got away from him out in the backyard climbed up his tree up on a branch several feet up in the air and he couldn't get it down so he went to the end of the branch tried to tried to bend it bend it bend it bend it bend it as far as he could to try to reach up and get the cat well he lost his grip wouldn't you know it Pew! true story a little cat flew over his backyard he never saw it again he looked for it, put posters up couldn't find it about a week later he's at the grocery store and he runs into a neighbor the neighbor's actually one of his uh, parishioners one of his congregants and she's buying a bunch of cat food Kitten food, in fact. And he's like, I I didn't know you guys had cats. She said, Pastor, you won't believe this. I have a seven-year-old, and she has been praying for a kitty cat her entire life. And I told her, there is no way, unless you pray to God and he sends you one from heaven, we will never get a cat. And five days ago, Pastor, a cat fell from the sky. And now we have a kitten. Well, he didn't have the heart to tell her exactly how it all worked out. But I'm not sure if that story tells us that cats will be in heaven or if God's throwing them out of heaven. or I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But cats, yeah, we'll all have to figure that one out when we get there. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into our study on the afterlife. Father, uh, you say that your word is like a great feast that you have prepared before us. And so on a weekend where many of us will probably have a barbecue or a potluck or some sort of great meal... We want to eat up now of your word. We want to sit down and enjoy the amazing nourishment that you have provided for our spirits and for our souls. So help us to uh, eat and enjoy what you have prepared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you know that we had a, a woodpecker problem here at the church a few years ago. These birds were tearing these huge holes in the stucco all around our property. Well, several of the other churches in the area were having the same issue. I didn't tell you this, so I asked a few of the local pastors what they were doing about this particular problem. Uh, One pastor who was a Calvinist said that those birds were predestined by God to be in our roof. And so you really can't do anything because you don't want to mess up God's plan. Another pastor who was a Quaker said they're pacifists. And so they tried to just humanely capture the birds but then release them into the wild because they didn't want to hurt them in any way. That worked until the birds just came right back. But it was the Baptist pastor, the Baptist preacher who had the best idea. They're just down the street here. He said they decided to baptize all of the birds, make them official members of the church, and now they only show up a couple times a year. But it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to get angry or frustrated when certain things are not present, when certain things are absent or missing. Maybe that's true with uh, your congregation on any given Sunday, but guess what? That will not be true in heaven. So over the last couple of weeks, we have been thinking about and dreaming about, even speculating about what will be in that special place. But to be honest with you, one of the best things about heaven is what won't be there. See, certain things are gonna be missing from heaven, absent from heaven, and I don't think we're gonna miss them in the least. Now I know that sounds odd, getting excited about what's not there, but that that's not unique to heaven. This happens at different times in our lives. Think about it. We get excited about summer vacation because that means no more homework, no more 7 a.m. classes, no more early morning wake-up calls, no more cold, short, snowy days. We get excited about retirement because it means no more commuting, no more bosses, no more bottom lines. We all get excited about certain things because of what won't be a part of those things. That should also be true with heaven. Let me show you what I mean. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. This man who received this revelation, this idea of what heaven was gonna be like continued on to say this, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. Now listen closely. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death in heaven or mourning in heaven or crying in heaven or pain in heaven for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Now we don't have time to talk about uh, every single thing that will not be in heaven. So I want to share with you three of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. Number one is the problem of pain. One thing that we read about in Revelation 21 is that in heaven, God is going to wipe every tear away from us. He's going to wipe away every single tear from our eyes. So heaven means, that this statement means that heaven is going to be a place where there is no crying, no pain, no anguish, no sorrow. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to miss those things at all. See, all of us cry at one point in time or another, don't we? Maybe it's over the loss of a loved one, the loss of a Super Bowl, the loss of a few more strands of hair up top. But we all cry about one thing or another at one point in time or another. Even the manliest of men cry. And I'm going to continue to make fun of Ryan Long. He does cry after every single episode of The Bachelor. I kid you not. And that doesn't make him any less of a man. No, actually it does. Now that I say that out it does. But here's the thing. I don't care when you cry here on the earth. I don't care what you cry about. I don't care what type of crier you are. There will be no crying in heaven. Now think about that. Think about that reality. The things that cause us so much sorrow and sadness here on the earth, so much anger and anguish, so much frustration and fear, they won't be a part of that place. Think back to the last time you cried. Maybe it was a single tear that you tried to brush away so nobody would notice. Maybe you cried uncontrollably and everybody noticed. Think back to the last time you shed a tear. What was behind it? What caused it? What motivated it? Why? Why were you crying? Loneliness? Was it fear? Was it loss? Was it hopelessness? Was it pain? Was it frustration? I used to cry every single time I struck out in Little League baseball. So embarrassing, and I'm still going to counseling. All right, still working through that. I cried when we moved to Texas, and it was 100 degrees and 100% humidity. Not cool. More recently, I cried when I gave the eulogy at my mother-in-law's funeral. There's a lot of reasons to cry, and all of us do cry. But I want you to know this, that in heaven, every tear you cried, however many, however few, they will be wiped from your eyes. Not by your counselor, not by your mom, not by your best friend, not by Dr. Phil. God himself will personally dry your eyes. Think about that with me. You will not be ripped apart by your regrets in heaven. You will not be angry about your abuse in heaven. You won't be stifled by your shame in heaven. You won't be burdened by your burdens in heaven because God is going to wipe away every tear. In Revelation, he tells us how he's going to do that. He says the old order of things is going to pass away. Isaiah the prophet in looking forward to heaven says something similar. Look at verse 65 with me or chapter 65, verse 17 in the book of Isaiah. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered nor will they even come to mind. There's a lot going on here. I do not understand. But what I do understand is that this, the former things, which I take to mean the painful things, the hurtful things, the shameful things, the scary things, the parts of this life that that caused us pain and sorrow, they will not be a part of the next life. not sure how that's going to work. Maybe we won't remember them at all. Maybe they won't even come to mind, literally, as the passage says. Maybe we'll only be able to think about these painful things in light of the good that God brought out of them. Maybe the new experiences and the new relationships we have in heaven will just cause us to have no memory of the old things. I don't know how it will work, but I do know this. The former things will pass away. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. A place where there was no pain, And no crying and no mourning. Came across a great quote this week. It says this, heavy hearts like heavy clouds in the sky are best relieved by letting out a little water. Heavy hearts like heavy clouds in the sky are best relieved by letting out a little water. That might be true here on the earth, but that will not be true in eternity. Because in eternity you will not be sad about anything ever. See, God is going to destroy or purge out or refine or whatever language you want to use, anything that does not bring him glory. But more than that, God is going to remove from the equation anything in the next life that does not bring us joy. I'm just so flabbergasted that we as believers don't talk about heaven more often because in the scripture it's described as this place of everlasting joy. And we're not talking about a momentary happiness. We're not talking about having like a good day. We're not talking about like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to have some friends over, can't, can't wait, looking forward to that. We're not talking about that feeling you have. i are talking about unending, relentless, outrageous, contagious joy. Listen to this, Isaiah 51:11. Those who've been ransomed by the Lord, they'll return home. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. That's good, isn't it? That's that's a great word. Let's say it together. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear. And they will be filled with joy and gladness. Can you imagine not just feeling happy, because I'm happy, right? That song? Not just feeling happy, not just having a good feeling in my heart for a moment. Can you imagine being filled with joy? Unending, everlasting joy. Of course you will, because in heaven, there's gonna be no more sickness to suffer or pain to persevere through. In heaven, there'll be no more fears to face, no more crosses to carry. In heaven, there'll be no more depression to deal with, no more shame to suffer, no more regret to lug around. Heaven is a place where your worries are erased, your stresses are removed, a place where your questions are answered, your doubts are resolved. In heaven, you will never say to somebody, come cry on my shoulder. In heaven, you will never encourage somebody to have a good cry. In heaven, you will never worry if anybody cried themselves to sleep because in heaven, there is no crying. There's no sorrow. There's no pain. There's no anguish. I cannot wait for a place that is like that. See, pain in this life, it is great, and it would be fools to say otherwise, but the promise of God is even greater. There will be no pain in the life to come. Now, how is that possible? Revelation 21 tells us. In addition to no more pain... The absence of the problem of pain, there will also be no more death. Something else that will be gone is the prevalence of death. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's one of the most famous racetracks in the world. Anybody a race, race car fan? Racing fan? Okay. All right. We live in the wrong part of the country, I guess, for that to be super popular. But uh, today is actually the race. Today is the Indianapolis 500. It's one of the biggest races in all the world. It's an amazing race. And there's been many a glorious day on that track. Many... Amazing achievements have been accomplished there. There's also been several dark days as well. In fact, there have been 40 deaths on that track. 40 men and women have lost their lives racing in that race. But here's the thing, you would never know it. They hide it, they, they cover it up, and they do that on purpose. So after the race is over, if there's ever been an accident or a death even, there's a crew that runs out as soon as everybody is gone, and they fix the wall, they repaint it, and they make it look like nothing ever happened. But it goes beyond that. There's a museum right in the middle of that huge tract, that middle of the grass field. In that museum, there's no mention of these deaths. There's no memorial to the folks who've lost their lives. You would never know that 40 people, they died in that space. You would never know it. They try to cover it up. They try to hide it. They try to paint over it. Now, I'm not trying to bash them because that's kind of what we try to do in this world. Like death, no, I can't see you. I can't hear you. You're not real. No, death, stay away. Well, good luck with that. We all know it's real. We all know that it's sting and it's stench and it's power and it's presence. There's not enough paint in the world to cover it up. Death is everywhere, and we're all facing it or having to deal with it at one level or another. In fact, scientists have discovered that the entire universe, in fact, is slowly dying. They call this entropy. It's part of the second law of thermo- thermodynamics that everything in the universe, everything that is alive, is slowly deteriorating, it's slowly decaying, it's slowly dying. So that means that what David was talking about in Psalm 23, this shadow of death, that shadow is much bigger than we'd like to imagine, isn't it? The shadow covers everything. It seems like we're always walking through it. I mean, the shadow shows up every time a child is born with a birth defect. The shadow is felt every time someone is diagnosed with cancer. The shadow is felt every time a marriage comes to an end or someone walks away from the faith. The shadow is felt every time someone's memory goes away because of Alzheimer's or dementia. You know what that is? That's the shadow of death. That is the prevalence of death. That's all we've ever known in this life. Death is all around us and everything dies. The flowers you planted a few weeks ago, dead. Probably thanks to the snow, right? That car you paid so much money to fix, dead. The animal you love and you pamper, it will die. Your friends, your family members, they will die. You will die. Everything, everything comes to an end. The shadow is all around. Dr. Joseph Huffman, a famous pianist and composer, was asked towards the end of his career, Sir, are you still composing? To which he replied, No, son, I'm simply decomposing. But that is true for all of us. It's true for the entire world universe and that's all we've ever known in this life life is always clouded and covered in death but that will not be the case in heaven you see jesus not only overcame death the scripture says jesus defeated death he annihilated it he made a public spectacle of it triumphing over it by the cross which means that death will no longer be a part of our equation We can't even begin to imagine what a life without death feels like. That's all our life has ever had in it. I stumbled across a tombstone. It had this engraved on it. Here lies Jamie Smith, wife of Thomas Smith, marble cutter. The monument was erected by her husband as a tribute to her memory and a specimen of his work. Monuments of the same style are $350. Please stop by my shop on Lincoln Avenue to order yours. That's one way to make the most of death. Death. But guess what? In heaven, you won't have to make the most of death. You won't ever have to deal with death. Ever. In heaven, things are not going to come to an end. In heaven, things are not going to fall apart, give out, fade away, cease to exist. People won't pass away. They won't pass on. There won't be any death in heaven. And again, church, I won't miss that at all. Now here's the thing, the fact that death won't be a part of heaven also means that sin won't be a part of heaven. Because the Bible says that death is the direct result and the consequence of sin. So you don't have death, well you don't have sin. And again, I don't know about you, I'm not going to miss it. I mean imagine enjoying all of God's creation, all of God's blessings without idolizing them, without worshiping them, without turning them into little gods. Imagine looking at the beauty of another person without lusting after that person. Without objectifying it, make it all sexual. Imagine talking to someone knowing they are always telling you the truth. Imagine a place where cheating and deception and hatred and racism and sexism and every other type of negative-ism is not present. Imagine a world, no padlocks, no alarm systems, no weapons, no policemen, no attorneys. That's a good place. I'll have to apologize to my dad who's a lawyer later. But anyway... Revelation 21, 24, listen to this language. The nations will walk in the light of heaven and the kings of the world will enter that city in all their glory. It's gates. The gates of heaven will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. Fascinating language, a lot going on. Again, not sure I understand all of it, but I do get this. Right now, there is a massive disagreement in this country about how to secure the border. The border how to keep bad people out. Well, guess what? In heaven, we will never have that conversation. In heaven, you will never have to ask for a wall to be built or for a gate to be shut because in heaven, there is no sin. So in heaven, you never have to worry about anything bad. It says the gate will always be open. See, in heaven, you and I, as well as the rest of humanity, we will not have what the Bible calls the flesh, a sinful tendency deep within us, this short-sighted tendency, this selfish tendency, this sinful tendency to do what is wrong. We won't have this tendency to not do the things that we know we should do and to just go ahead and do the things someone told us not to do. We won't have that tendency any longer. In heaven, you won't have that little voice in your head saying, click on that raunchy website, just one click you won't have that tendency, that little thought in your head that says, just spend the money you don't have and buy the stuff you don't need. Just do it. In heaven, you won't have that little thought in your head that says, just spread that little rumor about your neighbor. It's no harm, just spread it. In heaven, you won't have that little tendency to to, to do any number of things. Right? You won't have that little lie in your head that says, prayer doesn't matter. Worship is kind of worthless. God doesn't like you. You won't have that anymore because sin won't be a part of the equation. And I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? I'm looking forward to a place where those things are no longer present. Revelation tells us that in heaven, God's people will serve him day and night. That language is trying to communicate to you that in heaven, you will get to serve God the way you always wanted to serve him. Because you won't have a divided attention span. You won't have a divided allegiance. In heaven, you will want to worship God. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to get up for worship, even when you're paid, Sometimes it's hard to pray. Sometimes it's hard to read your Bible. Sometimes it's hard to do the disciplined work of becoming a disciple. It's hard. In heaven, it won't be hard. In heaven, you will want to do that. In heaven, that's all you will want to do because sin will be gone. We will worship God the way we always wanted to in heaven. So if sin is gone and death is gone, that also means guess who else is gone? Satan. Satan will be gone in heaven. See, if descriptions of the end times and the new heaven and the new earth, if they do anything for us, they tell us that Satan will finally end up where he belongs, straight in the pit of hell. Now, I want you to understand this, though, that Satan will not go to hell with a crown on his head and a scepter in his hand. He does not go to hell to rule over that place. God is the one who rules over hell. So he sends Satan there. Not to rule over it, but to be ruined by it. Because that's where he belongs. So Satan and sin and death, they will not be a part of our equation. And that's why the Bible says when talking about heaven, there will be no sea. We'll talk a little bit more about this next week. But there will be no darkness. There will be no night. All of those analogies, all that illustration is pointing towards evil, suffering, shameful things, scary things. And so when the Bible says there will be none of those things, it's trying to tell you no evil, no pain, no suffering, no sin, no death, no Satan. And I want to say, yeah, can I go there now? Isn't that what Paul says? To die, it's gain. This is why he would say that. Because he understands what the place to come is going to be like. He understands what won't be there. He's not going to miss it, neither am I. Something else I'm not going to miss is the pressure of time. Anybody else ever feel like time is never on their side? Anybody else ever feel like you never have enough time or you're always working against time or always running out of time? Oh, Time. I know that I do. I feel pressured, man. Get out of the house and off to church at a certain time. Go pick up your daughter at school at a certain time. Meet this person at a certain time. Get all these different things done in a finite, ever-shrinking amount of time. The worst, though, is when it comes to my job, when it comes to preaching. Preachers have a little saying out there, and it goes something like this. Sunday's coming. Now, notice how I didn't say it like this. Sunday's coming! said it like this, Sunday's coming, dun-dun-dun, right, insert Jaws music, whatever, and here's why, here's how this is going to work, I'll go home this afternoon, I'll take a nap, when I wake up from my long winter's nap, I will immediately think this, oh no, Sunday's coming, I'm not even four hours removed from my last sermon, I'm already worried about the next sermon, but you know how that works, right? Sundays, because something else is coming. A deadline, a due date, it's coming. And you have the same dynamic. It might not be Sunday for you, but Monday's coming. Tuesday afternoon's coming. The report, it, it's coming. Whatever it is, it's coming. And it never stops, doesn't it? It never slows down. It just gets faster and faster and faster. We can all relate. There's just never enough time, never enough time to sleep, to shop, to run errands, to clean the house, to get all, to, all the, the kids to their activities, to take the trip, to fix the problem, to meet the deadlines, to respond to all the emails, to text back all your friends, to hang out with the family members you haven't seen in a while. I mean, I'd love to do all that. I just don't have enough time. There's not enough time to do all this stuff. Time is running out. Time flies when you're having a good time. Wrong. Time just flies. Period. Never stops flying. But in heaven, friends in heaven, you won't feel that pressure. In heaven, time won't be weighing over you and frustrating you. Why? Because time will no longer be a diminishing resource. Time will no longer bring about the end of things because guess what? There won't be an end of things. The great hymn, Amazing Grace, oh, it said it so well, does it not? When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Now, how does it go? We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What he's saying is we've been there for 10,000 years. Man, it feels like we just got here yesterday. And we got 10,000 more years to do whatever it is that we want, and then some. Because time is not going to run out in heaven. Now, some people think that in heaven there will be no time. Not true. There will be time in heaven. Here's why. Time is a measuring stick. Time is a tool that we use, right, to say, now I'm doing this, and then I'll be doing this. And that's, that's how it's going to be in heaven. We're talking about this next week. We're going to do an FAQ about heaven. Marriage, what happens when I die right now, is it going to be boring, all that kind of stuff. In heaven, you will know right now I'm engaged in this activity. And later, I'll be doing this activity. And 10,000 years from now, I'll be doing that. So we will have time in heaven, but the difference would be that time won't be this ticking time bomb that it is in our life right now, right? How does time typically work right now? It's like the hourglass, is it not? It goes out, it's running out, it's getting shorter, it's gonna come to an end. That won't be the case in heaven. How do I know there's gonna be time in heaven? Well, there's gonna be music in heaven, loud music, I might add, and you gotta have time to have music. There's gonna be time and we're going to keep track of it, but it's not going to frustrate you or weigh you down or exasperate you like it does now. I want to show you something real fast in Isaiah 9. It's a passage that we look at normally at Christmas time. It's one we studied actually a couple of years ago, uh, years ago together as a church, but let me show you what this says, Isaiah 9. For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty god, everlasting father, prince of peace. Beautiful names for Jesus, right? Now listen to the language here. It starts to hint at what it's going to be like in heaven. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and his peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Now here you go. Here's the kicker. From that time forward, forevermore. From that time forward forevermore. We don't normally stop at this passage because we don't get this passage because it goes against everything that happens in our world. Time runs out in our world. Time comes to an end in our world, not in heaven. In heaven, it will start from that time and it will go forward forevermore. It's gonna be fun to take one of those hourglasses and take a big old bucket of sand and just be like, yeah, let's add that to you. And then I'm gonna add, I'm just gonna... It's not gonna be a diminishing resource. It just won't come to an end. And so that's why you have time to be with the people you wanna be with, time to do the things you wanna do, time to talk with Moses and Elijah and Jesus and sit with God, time to worship. Why, man, there's so many things going on in heaven. We're gonna be busy, we're gonna run out of time. No, you're not gonna run out of time. It's endless. It starts now and it moves forward and it goes forevermore. And again, I don't know about you, but I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get to a place well, I, I will never have to be in a hurry. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound nice? All right, so there you have it. The things that will not be in heaven. And I told you, it's a pretty sweet list. In heaven, there will not be the problem of pain. In heaven, there will not be the prevalence of death. And in heaven, there will not be the pressure of time. There's one final thing, though, that's not on the list, but it also will not be in heaven. And that is prideful, unrepentant people. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Those who will be in heaven, the scripture says they've all clothed themselves with Christ. You see, to get to this wedding feast, we talked about it several weeks ago, the heaven being like a great wedding feast, you gotta wear the proper attire. And so in heaven, people who did not cry out to Jesus in this life, people who did not say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, people who didn't say, I'm broken and I need to be fixed, they won't be in heaven either. Only those who've humbled themselves before the Lord and said, I'm nothing, and you are everything. So if you've never cried out to Christ before, if you've never confessed sin, if you've never said, I wanna go to heaven, would you come and find me right after service? Because I don't want you to be on that list of things that won't be in heaven. I want you to be on the list of all the amazing things that will be. Let me pray that over us, and we'll get you out of here. God. Thank you so much that when you talk about the life that is yet to come, you don't do so in vague terms. You don't just say, uh, yeah, something's coming, just get ready. You give us these beautiful, concrete images and and this, this language and these analogies, God, that should excite us and should get us all pumped up for getting to that place. And thank you for that place. Thank you that this life and the end of it is not the end of this life, God. Thank you for the believer. There is so much more yet to come. And God, we look forward to seeing you. We look forward to seeing our loved ones, angels, animals. We look forward to seeing all that stuff, God. But we're also looking forward to the stuff that won't be there. The stuff that's been a part of our equation since the day we were born. And I just want to pray over the folks who kind of find themselves overwhelmed by those things right now, God. There are those who are feeling overwhelmed with the problem of pain right now. And God, would you help them to endure and to get through the pain that they're going through? Maybe it's a physical pain. Maybe their body's given out. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Maybe it's a relational pain, a psychological pain. God, they're crying. There's a lot of tears in their eyes and in their life. Would you help them? Would you heal them now? But would you lift their eyes to a place where there will be no more pain? Help them to know what they're experiencing right now. It's finite and it will come to an end. God, there are those who are experiencing death right now. Maybe they just recently buried a loved one. Maybe they are facing their own death. Maybe other things in their life are coming to an end. They're falling apart, God. Again, would you help them to get through it? Would you breathe new life into each of those situations? But more than that, God, would you lift their eyes to a place where there is no death? Help them to know that you are preparing a special place just for them where they never have to say the end, goodbye, farewell, game over. Help them to know, God, that there is a life to come that will never end. God, there are those in this room who are feeling totally overwhelmed and frustrated by time. Maybe it's a new mom. Maybe it's someone, a family with multiple activities. Maybe it's someone trying to pull 80 hours at work. I don't know what it is, God, but many of us feel like we don't have enough time. And we can't get to the good things that we want to get to in this life. Help them to manage their time well. Give them extra time, God, if possible. But more than that, lift their eyes to a place where time is no longer a diminishing resource, where time is no longer ticking away, but only adding to. So help us, God, to fix our eyes on heaven because when we think about that life, wow, it will really change this life. Help this group right now, this church, to be heavenly minded and fixed on that place. Make it so in Jesus' name we pray, amen.